Hi, I'm Jack Gill, and I'm the stunt coordinator on Fast Five, and I'll be your next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Hey, welcome to another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is the 167th edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as movies, remakes, sequels, and, of course, TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we don't have an actor here. We'd, well, I shouldn't say that, because he, he has acted in some of the, the TV shows and films he's been in, but n- not uh, the lead actor and things like that. He is a stunt coordinator and also a stuntman, of course. His time is gone. He's done both those things, and he's going to come in and tell us about uh, his latest movie, which is Fast Five. He was the stunt coordinator. His name is Jack Gill. Jack's going to be joining us in just a few minutes, so I hope you're going to stick around for that. Jack's got some great stories about uh, that. He, he was in Fast Five, coordinated that, and he was in Dukes of Hazards. He, he, he uh, uh, was the stunt double for Bo Duke and uh, all, all sorts of great stories. So stick around. That's coming up in just a few minutes. And I want to thank all the people who have joined us uh, each week to hear the stories that our guests are telling us. And uh, we love hearing you uh, send us email. A lot of people are uh, sending us emails and uh, making comments and things like that. And we love hearing from you. I try to get to as many as I can and talk, uh, you know, with you whenever I can and uh, send out uh, an email back to you. And I appreciate it very much. If you'd like to send us a uh, email, you can send it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And uh, it was so easy in the beginning when, you know, we had uh, a few thousand listeners or something like that. And we'd get, you know, 15, 20 in a week or something like that. And I could very easily answer everybody. Uh, now we're over a, a half a million listeners at On Screen and Beyond. And um, we, we we don't get that many emails, thank goodness. But uh, we do get quite a few. And I try to get back to everybody as fast as I can. But sometimes it takes a little bit of time. So we appreciate your patience. And that's about it. we got to get into uh, what's coming away as far as Remake Madness next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness. Well, the board game Risk is being remade into a big screen film. It seems like that's the trend right now to take a board game and make it into a movie. Thomas the Tank will roll onto the big screen in a live action feature. And another remake of The Wolfman is in the works after the... uh, the, the recent Wolfman didn't do as good as they thought, and, you know, now they're trying to reboot it again or remake it or whatever you want to call it. They're trying it again. We'll see what they do with that. That's about it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming movies. Upcoming movies, well, Ben Stiller will produce a film called Johnny Klutz, and it's looking for a 2014 release. Word is that Ben Stiller will not be the star of the film. Dakota Fanning and Dustin Hoffman will star in Very Good Girls in 2012, and Gary Ullman, Christian Slater, and Dane Cook will star in Guns, Girls, and Gambling. Ullman will play Elvis, and it's listed as a crime thriller. That's about it for upcoming movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take a look at Sequel City. Next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. 
Sequel City, well, Mark Wahlberg has announced that there will be a fighter, too. After much speculation, he has announced that there will be one. Dwayne Johnson says he is sure they're working on a sixth Fast and Furious film. And rumors are out, many of them fed by the actors themselves, that Indiana Jones 5 is not that far off. And we'll keep you uh, up to date on that as we hear more. That's about it for Sequel City. Coming up next, TV on DVD. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TV on DVD, well, the Dick Van Dyke Show's 50th Anniversary Edition Fan Favorites will be coming your way on September 20th. Army Wives Season 5 comes your way on September 27th. And Hey Arnold Season 1 comes to DVD on August 9th. Coming up next, Movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, well, it looks like October 4th, Disney will release a 3D version of Beauty and the Beast on DVD and Blu-ray. And Judy Moody and the Not Bummer Summer with Heather Graham will have an October release. And look for Super 8, just out in theaters now, is also looking for an October release on DVD and Blu-ray. That's about it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen to Beyond... We are going to be talking with Jack Gill, stuntman and stunt coordinator extraordinaire, next on On Screen and Beyond. My guest today on On Screen and Beyond has been involved with films such as Fast Five, Austin Powers Goldmember, Wild Hogs, Pearl Harbor, and TV shows including Knight Rider and the Dukes of Hazard. He's one of the guys that makes the movies and TV shows shine with action. It's stuntman Jack Gill. Jack, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thanks. Glad to be here. Jack, if there's any job in show business that has my total respect, it's the stuntman. You know, you guys make, uh, and the girls too, make the actors look good. Oh, thanks. It's uh, it, it's it's the type of business that no one ever recognizes us, but yet in some action films you're on screen sometimes more than the actors are. Mm-hmm. But yet, um, you know, it's 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 a really dangerous job, and you try and do the best job that you can, and and you stay, you know, kind of behind the scenes as much as you can because you want the audience to feel that they're part of the action and that the actor is doing, you know, everything himself. So that's uh. That's kind of what we do. You doubled for David Hasselhoff, correct? Right. Now, I, I presume you're in the same general height, or, or does that not matter when you're driving a car? Or you know, how do they determine that? Well, oddly enough, I've doubled. I do, used to double Kathy Bach on Dukes of Hazard, and really? I've doubled <laughs> Courtney Cox on Cougar Town, and I, you know, it, I've doubled Joe Pesci. And now, if you tell now, now, Jack, if you tell me you look like them, it's, it's just not going to seem right. <laughs> 
it's one of those things where if you're in a car, you can get away with almost anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you can slap down in the seat and make yourself look shorter. You can put on, obviously, wigs to make them look different. But, um, you know, a car is one of those types of things where you're only seeing the side window and the front window, mm-hmm. and you're going so fast nobody even recognizes anybody. But, but I mean, I doubled Sylvester Stallone on first blood on a motorcycle, and we're nothing alike. He's big and muscular, and I'm tall and skinny. But, you know, when you're on a mot- motorcycle going 70 miles an hour, nobody really sees the difference unless you're standing side by side. Right, yeah. Who is the most unusual person that you've ever had to double for? Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. Probably, I mean, probably Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox, okay. I mean, only because I never really intended on having to double her. I got a call from the stunt coordinator on the show and said, we, we, we tried to get a girl to jump a car into a swimming pool, and we want the stunt person to stay in the car till it sinks all the way to the bottom and stay down there for two or three minutes. And we couldn't find a girl... Uh, a stunt girl that was available that wanted to stay in the car. They all said, yeah, I'll jump it in the pool, but I want to be able to get out the window before it sinks. Mm-hmm. So they called me, and I said, okay, I'll do it. And I'll probably, you know, she's wearing a gray designer dress. I'll probably just put, like, a gray T-shirt on and a wig, and that'll be the extent of it. But when I got to the set, Courtney had a different idea, and she had a, a size 12 dress to put on me and uh, boobs and a bra and i had to shave my arms <laughs> and i had to put lipstick on and makeup and you know shave my face really really close and the whole wig and it was it was a big ordeal um and it was all in fun and games but it's just a, it's, i'm a horrible sight dressed up as a woman like that so <laughs> you're lucky she didn't want to wear a bikini <laughs> exactly yeah i think that would have i would have said okay time out here we need to really search a little more for a girl <laughs> But that's not to say that girls don't double guys as well. I mean, there are many times where I've been doing shows as a stunt coordinator, and there are, you know, a handful of really, really good stunt driver girls that I'll bring in and have them double guys in spots because I know they're much better at it. So you really just have to hire the guy, a guy or girl that's best for the spot. Yeah, yeah. Now, now when you do stunts, are you doing more of the... Uh, driving type stunts or are you doing everything you know like jumping off roofs and things like that too well that's that's kind of the key aspect of being a stuntman for any length of time is that you need to be able to do everything um it's very very difficult in this day and age to make a living just doing one or two things really well because you just won't get that many calls for it so you try and broaden your horizons enough that you are good at almost everything. Now, that's not to say that you have to be an expert at everything, but you have to be damn good at it. So you're always training on a daily basis for anything new that comes up. I mean, I'm a skydiver. I used to teach gymnastics. Um, I do high falls. I do burns. I do fights, cars, motorcycles, jet skis. Um, I'm, a, I'm a snowboarder, snow skier. You just have to really be able to do just about everything. Wow. Um, the things that that do come up, that are kind of oddball or like, you know, sometimes we bring in X Games guys. Like if I want to see a motorcycle do a double backflip, yeah, we'll go outside the business and hire one of these guys that actually does that. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you have to go learn that kind of stuff. But um, like I say, you do need to be good at everything. Yeah. Jeez. Now, now with Fast Five, there's a lot of fast-moving cars in that, that film. Were you actually doing the uh, driving in some of those, or were you a stunt coordinator who decided who would do them? 
Yeah, I, I came in as a stunt coordinator, and it was, you know, it, it's a really, really big, um, ambitious show. And when we first started it, um, I tested everything. We test things, you know, a couple of months prior to shooting. And so I do get to test things, but once we start shoot, shooting, you, the stunt coordinator can't really put himself in any kind of situation that he could get hurt because then the entire show has no leader and nobody really knows how each scene ties together right. and what's needed. And so that's something that you have to kind of sacrifice is that once you become the stunt coordinator and you're designing all the action, you have to take yourself out of the driver's seat. And so that's, it's disheartening for me, but at least I get to do all the testing phases part of it. Yeah. Now, when you, I mean, you've been doing this for quite a long time. Now that you do a lot of the, the coordination, do you have that urge like, geez, I wish I could do that because I, I know I can do it better than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's always that adrenaline push. You always want to, I, I hope that I don't ever lose that because that's one of the things that, that keeps me feeling young is to be able to say, hey, everybody says that's not possible and I'm getting ready to show them that it is. And that's what's great about doing stunts is you have so many people that come up and say, I would never do that and you can't do that and there's no way to even you know, attempt a stunt like this. And then when it's all said and done and over, and you have accomplished what you said you were going to accomplish, it's, it's a great feeling. And so uh, I tend to always want to go back and do those kind of things. And so between shows, when I'm not coordinating, I do take jobs as a stuntman and go back and do a lot of driving jobs. And, in fact, I did a full burn on True Blood just a couple of months ago um, as a vampire walking out into the light. And they lit me on fire, and the fire was 10 feet above my head. And my wife thought I was out of my mind. But you still you like to kind of you know, push the limit a little bit all the time. It keeps you, it keeps you young and vigorous. Yeah. So now with, with uh, so much CGI and everything, uh, do they tend not to do those dangerous stunts like that? Or, or is it, I mean, you know, to be honest, CGI does not look as good as, you know, when you do a full burn. I mean, I mean, right. I mean, I hate to see anybody get full burn because there's danger there, but I mean, you know, it really does look better when you do it for real. Right, and that's one of the things that in our preliminary meetings on Fast Five is Justin Lin, our director of the movie, came in and said he had done two previous Fast and Furious movies, and he said he just felt like the CGI was just not there, and he wants to go back to the physical action and start really crashing cars and really putting the stunt guys in the driver's seat of all these things because he said, I think the, the audience these days are very cognizant of of what is real and what is not and once you as a as an audience member you know decide oh yeah that's cgi and that's not real now you're not in the driver's seat anymore you don't feel a part of the movie mm -hmm. so yep. that's what we really strive to do on fast five is is that justin lynn said if you can't do it for real then let's let's rewrite the sequence so that we can do it for real we want everything in this movie to be as real as possible now, there was some CGI backgrounds that we put in, but with all of the stunt sequences and that big, huge bank vault that you see being swung behind the two cars, mm -hmm. that's all real, every, every single part of it. Wow. Jeez. Now, has, I'm, I'm sure some people have got uh, hurt on some of these uh, stunts that you've done. Yeah, well, we, we got really lucky on Fast Five. I mean, we, we had over 215 or 220 cars that we intended to wreck, and I think I had about 10 or 15 left by the time we finished the movie. And that's including all the rehearsals and all the, you know, we had to do quite a few destruction in the, I mean, uh, uh, crashes in the, in the rehearsal to see just what the vault could do. 
and how we were going to try and get the vault back into play once it destroyed three or four cars. So that was the hard part, is trying to keep everybody in a safe position, because once this 10-ton vault gets slung out behind the cars, it really doesn't stop for anything. It, it destroys everything in its path. Mm -hmm. And I have real stunt people on the sidewalks, and they're in real danger, because when you set all these things up, you know, you're all sitting there in a circle trying to, you know, and I'm, I'm describing what's going to happen. And then all of us throw in our two cents and say, look, if something is off his mark, let's say the vault swings out and is 10 feet, you know, further down line than it should be, all the stunt people that are involved in have to ship and go to different marks and make sure that they can get to a safe position or you're going to be dead because there is no second take on this. Right. And Jeez. you also have to, look at, have to look at the camera crew. The camera crew and all of your your um, outside bystanders who are watching this are all in danger points too. So as a stunt coordinator, you have to map all this out and try and figure out what you know where everybody's going to go when this ten ton vault comes slinging out there. Jeez, I mean it's just amazing what you guys do. I mean it, I just can't get over the planning that that goes through and like it really does have to be planned out, right? Well, and we, we do, the good part about Universal Studios is they, they gave us a good two months before we started shooting to really figure each and every one of these action sequences out, and down to a T to where we, we pretty much knew exactly what was going to happen. Now, that's not to say that you ever, you know, know everything, because, right. you know, people make mistakes, things can fail, safety belts can fail, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, and in your prep, you try and figure out what can go wrong, and we, we write each and everything go down uh, on a piece of paper, and then all of us talk about it and say, if number one goes wrong, what are we all going to do? If number two goes wrong, what do we adjust to? Everybody talks everything out so that, you know, when something does go wrong, you've got a split second to make a decision, and you're not sitting there with your jaw on the floor going, oh, my God, you know exactly what you have to do. Right. Jeez. So that's a big part of it. Um, and... If you're rushed into it, you just don't have that option. So that's one of the great things about the prep that we were given is that we did have a long time to rehearse all of this and figure it all out. And on Fast Five, I only had about four injuries on it, and they were very minimal. Nobody really ever um, was out very long. We had a guy that dislocated his shoulder, and we popped his shoulder back in, and he came back to work that same day. And then we had a guy who had to get a couple of stitches in his forehead, and then we had a couple of bumps and bruises. But other than that, you know, that's a pretty successful uh, show with the amount of stuff that we did on this thing. Right, yeah, I'm sure. Gee. Now, have, have you ever come across, uh, and, you know, I don't expect you to name names or anything, but uh, are there ever any directors that say, I want this done, and I want it done, it do doesn't make any difference, you're going to do it? And do they push hard sometimes to, to make you do things that sometimes you might not feel is quite safe or something? Well, I mean, they're always going to push the envelope, and that's something that, as a stunt coordinator and a stuntman, you have to understand going in that that the director and the producers, you know, are in a position that they want to make the best movie that they can, and you have to be, you know, in a position to say, I'm going to try and give you the best movie that we all can give, but but we're going to keep it safe because, you know, come you know the end of the day, this is just a movie. It's not like we're curing cancer. Here. Right. Yeah. So we all try to work together, and, and you know, from a director's standpoint, they're all artistic, and they can fly off the handle and get crazy and say, this is what I want. But as a stunt coordinator, I have to say, look, I can give you exactly what you want, 
but I may need to break it down into three pieces. Mm -hmm. So you have to be smart enough to try and speak to them in their language. So if they feel like they're getting what they want, maybe they won't, won't get it in one big, huge master, but they'll get it in two or three pieces that he can piece together, and it'll be the same shot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the things that you do have to learn to deal with is egos, is that, you know, everybody wants to, to put a great picture together and everybody wants their own version of doing it. But stunt coordinator is a guy that really calls the shots and he's the one that has to say, you know, no, we can't do it this way, but I can give it to you a different way and it'll be it'll look the same. Mm -hmm. So you just have to map that out in your own mind ahead of time because you know you're going to be asked those questions. Yeah. Now, does you you've done some directing as far as the second units and things like that, correct? Correct. Yeah, I started directing action units back on Night Rider in 1984, and have been directing most of the second units on the shows that I am the stunt coordinator on. Do you find that to uh, being a stunt man helps with with that directing? Oh yeah, it helps enormously. Only because. You know, I know where to put the camera because I know where all the action is going to take place and I know where the pinch points are and where a car is going to crash and where it's going to jump to and where it's going to land. And you kind of have that inside knowledge where a guy coming from outside the business is just guessing. He can just come up and say, well, I guess this is where I should put the camera and just hope that he's right. Mm -hmm. um, having that inside knowledge of, of starting as a stunt man and then working as a stunt coordinator you're able to really not have to worry about that second guess part. You kind of have a little bit of an inside, you know, it's kind of like insider trading in the second directing world, is you have a little bit of more inside knowledge than somebody from outside the world. Right. Now, do you ever find yourself when you're not the director that you're sitting back and, and thinking to yourself, well, that that might not be the best angle, and, and you, do you sometimes say something to the director, or do you just let them handle what they're doing and you handle what you're doing, or how, how do you deal with that? Well, I mean, usually, and in, in most cases, is that the first unit director, the guy that directs the actors and the dialogue, um, he will give us carte blanche for second unit. He'll say, you know, look, uh, and sometimes the first unit directors are very good action directors, and they want your help, and they want your guidance. But I, in all said and done, it's his film. It's not my film as mm -hmm. a second unit director. It's still his film. So what I have to do as a second director is cater my action to look like his, because they have to mesh as one. It can't look like two completely separate films. Right, yeah. So you work very closely with the first unit director, and you you try and, and you know form your second unit you know shot so that they do mesh very cleanly with his. And sometimes he'll, he'll come to you and he'll say, I know absolutely nothing about action, and I want you to tell me what to do. And then I'll say, okay, look, once these actors get in the car, you know, we really need to keep the camera moving. We've got, we can't have any static shots. Everything's got to be moving. All your cuts are going to be quick. And if he understands that and agrees with us, then that's what we'll go to. And I, other times I've had a director say, no, I really don't want to go with that format. I want to go with just, you know, cameras on the ground and we'll pan the car through there and this is what I want. And then you as a second director have to say, I understand that's, you, that's your passion it's your movie, and that's what we're going to do because, you know, he's the guy that started this whole thing, and he's the guy that hired me as a second director. So you have to understand it's, it's still his movie. It's not mine, even though the action is a big part of it. You know, we're just players in his mind. Right, yeah, yeah. Now, now what made you decide to become a uh, stuntman? Well... A lot of it came from I was always kind of action-oriented. Even when I was a young 
kid at, at 12 years old, I was jumping off the top of my roof <laughs> at a two-story house, and I jumped off the roof to, we, at that time, we had cardboard boxes and, and old box springs and mattresses. And I just did it for fun at that time. But mm -hmm. then when I started racing motocross professionally, I was touring um, the, the East Coast, the Southeast and, and Northeast Coast racing professional motocross, and I ran into, I was down in Florida, and I ran into a friend of mine who said, hey, they're filming this film about you know 20 miles from here when you finish and pack your motorcycle up you should go by there and see what they're doing and he knew that i was interested in the film business and so i went down there and they were filming a movie called hooper and it was directed by hal needham and starred burt reynolds and jan michael vinson right. and i hung around the stunt guys for about three weeks and got to know them all and when i started talking to hal needham the director he said look you're you look like you're a pretty good motorcycle guy you should come out to Hollywood and try and make it, you know, as a stuntman because there's a lot of work out there for motorcycle enthusiasts right now. And so that's what I did. And I got out there and Hal gave me my first job. And then I started working my way up through the motorcycle industry, doing motorcycle jobs into car work. And then I did Dukes of Hazard for five years and doubled John Schneider and drove the General Lee. And then I doubled David Hasselhoff in, in Knight Rider and drove Kit for about five years and then made my way into feature films and have been there ever since. Hmm. Now, um, James Best, uh, I don't know if you remember him, yeah. uh, Roscoe yeah, Peak sure. Ultraman, he was a guest on our show, and mm -hmm. uh, he was talking about uh, all the different stunts and how many cars they went through. Uh, of course, he was watching this. Now, you must have been the guy actually doing the jumping, correct? Right, yeah. I mean, we were averaging about one General Lee jump uh, a week, and um, that was every single week. Now, that doesn't count all the little jumps, and what we call those mini-ramp jumps is just him coming over a rise, and a car gets up in the air maybe three or four feet and goes, you know, 20 or 30, 40 yards, not very far. Mm -hmm. The big jumps, the ones where, like, I jumped the General Lee through a barn one time, and I've jumped it, you know, over car carriers and just about over everything. But <laughs> those big jumps we do once a week, and the car is demolished after that jump. It's pretty much done. Um, so we went through about 40 General Lees a year and about 60 to 80 police cars a year. And the funny thing now is when I do interviews, you know, on radio stations with people callers that call in and they say, how could you destroy such a classic car? And I went, guys, back in 1979, that car was not a classic car. It right. was just an old junker that nobody wanted. Now they're... <laughs> They're classic. With those cars, uh, you know, it, it, so many times we'll, we'll see movies or TV shows where the cars are, you know, doing these long jumps and everything. And then, of course, a lot of editing involved, I'm sure, because you'll see the car drive off. Right. <laughs> Obviously, the car is probably totally demolished by the time it actually does the jump, right? Yeah, I mean, the nose has been up pretty bad. You kind of, you've blown all the springs and suspension. Sometimes you'll blow, you know, the the sway bar in the back you'll you'll blow tires but the, you know i've i've coasted away from jumps but not the big ones are, are pretty much car breakers you really can't really drive away from that thing but but they did on dukes for a while there they tried to fix the cars but they usually came back to us so bent that they wouldn't track straight and we really couldn't jump them any long ways again so we were we were pretty much trashing every single car that we jumped you know the long distances and, and that's why the budgets are so high on these TV shows and movies, right? Right. I mean, on, on Dukes, they had a, a car carrier, a big semi-truck that went around the country 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and all they did was hunt for this 69 Charger to put on the car carrier. And 
at that time, back in those days, you know, they couldn't pay very much for them. I think at the time they could only pay $2,500 for each car, and then they would suit the engines up and put good tires and wheels on them and, you know, put the nice interior on them, and we'd use them on the show. And, you know, we'd crash them, and they'd go to the junkyard, and we'd just get into another car. So Jeez. it was tough. On Night Rider, it was a little different. Night Rider, you know, we could get the cars easily from Pontiac, and it was the same deal, though. Every time you jumped the car, it was toast, and you'd have to go get another one. Jeez. <laughs> Now, what's the most difficult film you ever worked on as far as stunts, in your opinion? I think this last one, Fast Five, is definitely by far the most difficult film, only because the number of cars involved and the amount of action that was in the film, because there was just so much to do that we, that we were just going crazy trying to put all this together in the time frame we had. How many stunt people did you have involved with, with the show, uh, with that film? Well, on second unit alone, I had 35 stunt people with me. Wow. And then on first unit, they had about 30 stunt people. And then we had another unit that was the train unit, and they had about 20 to 25 stunt people. Whew. Boy, oh boy. I mean, it, we don't really see that, you know, from the film until you, if you, unless you watch the credits at the end that so many people are involved with the actual stunts in a film like that. Right, yep. Jeez. Now, you've been in a lot, like you say, a lot of TV shows and everything, but as far what was your first movie that you actually uh, did stunts in? Do you remember which one that was? I think it was like, golly, I got to, it could be a gnome named Norm, or, or it could have been, I'd have to look at my credits to find out. Oh, I know what it was. It was a, it was a motorcycle racing picture called Do It in the Dirt, and it starred Frank Sinatra Jr. and Darby Hinton. Really? <laughs> Do it in the dirt, and it was all about motocross racing, and it was right up my alley, and that was the big, the first feature film that I did. Now, whether it ever, you know, made it anywhere, I don't know, but I remember that was, I was ecstatic that I was working on a feature film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, looking over your credits, um, I noticed, and, and I'm not sure, I'm trying to think of this, uh, in 88, you did Moonwalker. Now, right. Was, was that the, is that the Michael Jackson that was yeah. That was the Michael Jackson music video, and we spent, I think we spent almost four months making that sequence with the stormtroopers and all the rest of that. And that was a, that was a really um, exciting time for me because it it was it was great working with Michael, and it was it was one of those things where you just don't really understand the music business until you're you're in amongst them while he's singing those songs, and you're trying to, you know, choreograph action all around him. It was just it was a really fun fun music video to do hmm. yeah. now what about um hook you worked on hook on that on that film correct right the steven spielberg show with dustin hoffman hook we we rehearsed i was one of the swashbuckling pirates on that show you were okay <clears throat> and we we rehearsed about two months before we started shooting everybody had to go to sword fighting practice and we all you know learned the growls and learned you know how to walk and learned all the different you know eccentricities about about um a broadsword work, but um, the best part was that you were working with Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman on the weekend because they had to learn along with you because you had sword fighting scenes with them. So it was a lot of fun, and you got to see that, you know, they created an entire um, floating pirate ship on a soundstage. Wow. And so that was just a fantastic sight to see this enormous, you know, floating pirate ship that was all decked out to the nines that we all did, you know, sword fights on. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. What about Con Air? Con Air was a Nicolas Cage picture that we did in Las Vegas, and that was a show where we had a bunch of stunt guys all outside of a, a casino, and this casino was ready to be destroyed. They were going to tear it down and put another casino in there, so they said, you guys can use it to crash this big cargo airplane into it and blow it up. So we said, great, you know, we're going to put all these stunt guys out in front of the casino, and we're going to run this airplane in and crash it into the front of the casino. So that's the... That's one of the sequences that we did in Con Air. <laughs> and uh, you were in Pearl Harbor. Now, that that was a very uh, popular movie, of course, um, but I imagine the stunt work in that was uh, tremendous. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the, the more difficult shows, too, because of the amount of stunt people that were there and the amount of pyrotechnics that was involved in it, which we had so many explosions and gunshot hits going off, and any one of those you know, could end your career. So that was a really tough one technically for us because of the airplanes and the Jeeps blowing up and all the ships that were turning over and blowing up. And mm. it was just a lot going on. And you really had to watch out for everybody around you because there was just a lot of stuff flying in the air. And we had beams car- cartwheeling through the air. They had to watch where they landed. And it was really, really tough. Yeah, fantastic movie too. Jeez. And, and, and the stunt work really made made the movie too. Thank you. Uh, what about Austin Powers? You were the stunt coordinator on that one, right? Yeah, and, and that was one of the things I love to do is comedies, and, and Austin Powers was a really, really fun picture for me, primarily because we, I got to work really closely with the director, Jay Roach, and with Mike Myers, and Mike is a genius with comedy, and we would, we would just try five or six different comedy bits until we got what Mike wanted, and then we would incorporate the action in and around that character that he had created, so... That was the best part about that part. And, you know, he, he had so many different... He had the Fat Bastard character, uh, character mm-hmm. he had the Austin Powers character, you know, character, and then he had the Goldmember character, and each and every one of them had action to do in the film. And so, you know, you were always with Mike and the director trying to figure out how we can make the action either funnier or bigger or wilder or something that would give it a little more life. And that's, what, that's what's fun about doing comedies is you have just, you know, a lot of leeway to really run with whatever you can think of. Yeah. And you mentioned comedy. Um, you worked on the stunts on uh, Anchorman? Yeah, on Anchorman, I was only in one or two scenes. It was a big fight scene at the end of that one, where we all, all the newscasters all face off, and everybody, you know, is fighting together. They're each and every newscaster team is fighting the other teams, and that's, that's what I did in that one. Yeah. Um, uh, what about Wild Hogs with uh, John Travolta and Tim Allen? And uh, Right. Now, Wild Hogs was was kind of right up my alley because, I, I, you know, my origins come from motorcycles. And when I started that picture, I had to train the actors to ride as a team. And, you know, there were a lot of, of actors in that bunch who had never ridden motorcycles before, especially big, huge Harleys. And so I said, you guys need to come over to my house and... I'm going to teach you guys to ride as a pack. And we started them all off on really small motorcycles because the problem with a film like this is the director wanted all the actors to ride without being on trailers, which that's how they usually do it is they put four motorcycles on trailers Mm -hmm. and they pull it behind a big truck and you just see the top half of the actor and not really the motorcycle or the ground. They're never really riding. Well, that's not what Disney Studios wanted and our director. They wanted the actors to really ride. So I spent about a month and a half with these actors on little bitty motorcycles, teaching them to ride as a pack so that when we got on big motorcycles, they wouldn't crash because 
that was one of the, the big things I, I tried to tell the studio. I said, you know, they, they can probably ride right now close together, but if one of them touches the other guy's handlebars and they go, they go down, you're going to have four actors going to the hospital because each one of these motorcycles weighs 600 to 800 pounds and you're falling down on cement you know, with multi-million dollar actors. And right. You just, <laughs> your whole movie's going to get shut down. So it did take me about a month and a half to get everybody together and everybody comfortable riding amongst, amongst each other and very close to each other. So that was a really fun part uh, of my career is, is working closely with Bill Macy and John Travolta and, and Ray Liotta and all of them, Martin Lawrence. They were just a really, uh, you know, fun, a fun group of guys to work with. And when I got to Santa Fe, New Mexico, where we shot it, I put them all in full coverage helmets with no bodyguards and no managers and no agents and no entourage and said, it's just going to be us, you four guys and me, and I'm going to take you on a 26-mile loop all the way to the top of this mountain, and we'll have lunch and then take you all the way back down. But since you're in full coverage helmets with dark visors, nobody's going to know who you are. So we don't have to worry about anybody recognizing you. And so we had a blast. We, we ran and went out as just four guys having a good time, and they really got to know each other and got to ride as a pack before we had to do it on camera. And I think that really helped. Oh, yeah. And one of the funniest scenes in that movie, I think, is when they were in the, on the motorcycles and they hit the sign and, oh, yeah. he, and he goes yeah. flying off the motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, that was Bill Macy. And Bill had, Macy, yeah. We had designed that primarily. It was one of the, the first stunts we did in the movie. And I had the stunt guy on a cable and a ratchet. A ratchet is something that, that snatches back really fast when it's triggered. And so I said, we're going to ride it all the way in. You just ride it all the way into the sign. And when you hit the sign, I'm going to push the button and it's going to snatch you off the back of the motorcycle. And you're going to go to the ground. And the, the shot you see is what's in the movie. And the, uh, the one we did with Bill Macy is I put a, a sign up on the ground and it was made out of uh, what we call balsa wood. It's lightweight wood. Mm -hmm. And I told Bill, I'm going to run you right into it and let your, you know, your face hit this balsa wood sign. And then I can cut to the stunt guy being ratcheted off the motorcycle. And so that's where the the two cuts lie but bill macy was a real character he loved doing it and he said you're really going to hit me in the face with this sign and i said yeah but it's it's lightweight it is going to sting a little but it won't hurt you so yeah, Jeez. yeah that was really good about it that was one of the funniest scenes and now when when they got this ratchet on or, or the you know the cable it, yeah do they have like a full body wrap that it's attached to so that it's not pulling on one main part of the body so it just yeah we have everything? a we have a full vest um, it's called a 50 pick vest and it's, um, it's designed, designed out of ballistic nylon and you you know it's just like a real vest but it goes down a little lower over your belt area mm -hmm. and you cinch this thing up and it, it pretty much your body becomes one you know one piece instead of just jerking one part of your body right. it pulls your entire body yeah huh. it's still a pretty hard hit you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to do more than one or two of those a day it, it, it you know, if you had dentures, your dentures would be laying out in the middle of the street. So. <laughs> now, you personally, of all the, the different stuff that you've done, the stunts and everything, uh, what's the worst pain that you've, you've gotten from, from doing a stunt? Well, I've been, I've been injured a lot doing stunts, and most of the time my injuries come from my playtime. I get hurt playing instead of doing stunts. But I have broken my back twice. I've broken my neck once. I've got a titanium plate in my neck with six screws in it. Um, I've broken my right ankle four times and my left ankle once. Um, I've broken both my knees, my right shoulder four times, my left shoulder once. 
I've cut my finger off and had to have it sewn back on. Wow. Um, you know, I've punctured lungs and busted ribs, and there's a million other little injuries, but, you know, lots of stitches. But when you work in the business for, you know, 30-plus years, you have to understand that you are going to get hurt. That's, you know, not to say that you're, you know, it's going to happen all the time, but usually you get hurt on the ones that you think are easy because you write them off of saying, oh, yeah, I've done this a million times before. I'm just going to do what I normally do. And you don't think about all the things that can go wrong with this really easy stunt. And those are the ones that bite you. <laughs> so you kind of learn by your mistakes and you go into it saying, no matter, matter what I'm doing, no matter how easy it is, let's try and, you know, think this one through all the way so that I don't get hurt again. Jeez. It, 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 it's fascinating hearing you talk about these things. It's just amazing. Have you, have you ever thought of writing a book? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we I've, I've tossed it around a little bit. I, it's it's one of those where, you know, when you think about it, it's uh, I think it would be interesting. But I come from the stunt world, so it's hard to tell whether it would be interesting or not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. You know, to me, it's amazing to hear you. You know, tell these stories, and I'm sure you have millions of them that you could tell us but uh, you know know, one of the things that that i've been trying to get done for for the past 20 years is i've been trying to convince the academy to give us a stunt coordinator category in the academy awards because we are we are not acknowledged at all in the movie business for anything and for some reason the academy just keeps shunning us every year saying that they're just not you know ready to give us a category and i keep asking why you know are, do they not think that we're not an integral part of the movie business? But yet, for some reason, we're just not. They just don't want to give us that stunt coordinator category. Huh. Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you one. that I did a film as a stunt coordinator called Must Love Dog. Mm-hmm. And Must Love Dog was a love story. You yeah. know? It, that's what it is. But what you didn't know is there was a, a shot where Diane Lane had to jump out of a canoe and swim across in the water and you know if you've got something like that i got an actor that's got to dive out of a canoe you know you've got to have stunt people there and you've got to make sure that you know a there's no obstructions in the water because a lot of times they'll just pick a spot and you'll say hey guess what there's an old tree that fell in here two years ago and there's all these really spiky things right underneath the water right here so mm-hmm. that's essentially what you're called in for is for the safety aspect of yeah it. And, and and see people don't really even think of that and and every movie needs it. I, I I agree with you. I don't see why the academy doesn't put a a, a, a stunt uh, coordinator or a stunt oriented award out there. Well, they had they had two. They said there's two different descriptions as to what they decide on, and they said the the department head has to be either either artistic or technical to to get an academy award. And we said, well, we kind of fall in both those categories That's heavily. Right. Yes. and But yet, for some reason, they don't think so. So I don't, I'm still petitioning, and they're, there's going to be another vote on June 14th to see if we can get our category. But, you know, I've just got to keep my fingers crossed and hope that one year they're going to do it. Yeah, I, I hope they do because uh, I think, you know, the stunt people deserve it. That's for sure. Well, and you think most of these action films would not even have life without the stunt coordinator or the stunt people. And a lot of these shows are still getting special effects academy awards but mm-hmm. yet there's doesn't seem to be any stunt oriented awards at all in any of it and they they're kind of part and parcel together so if they're going to give special effects category awards why wouldn't they give a stunt coordinator right yeah award? yeah so hmm. i don't know jeez of all the things you've done jack which one are you most proud of 
Um, I think to this point, Fast Five is probably the one that I would be the most proud of because of its size and scope. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Because when I first started the show, it was just so daunting to say, are we really ever going to be able to shoot this much action and get this much on screen in the time frame that we have without really hurting people? Because it was a difficult um, show to do. Logistically, it was tough. And we shot this whole thing in Puerto Rico. And, you know, you're always worried about, about you know, civilians on the set. And, mm-hmm. you know, anybody can walk outside of a doorway. And there's just so many things that can go wrong. But yet I'm really happy with the outcome of it. I really thought the film was put together wonderfully. It was edited perfectly. The acting was fantastic. And, you know, there are films in my career that I really like. But up to now, I think Fast Five is at the top of them. And I think it sets the bar for every other action movie from now on. You're going to have to surpass Fast Five to get, you know, to get that golden egg. Because now we've got it. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Well, Jack, um, I want to finish up with just two more questions. Uh, sure. Stepping away from all your stunt work and everything, um, as far as what do you like to watch for TV shows? What's your favorite TV shows of all time? Oh, of all time? Hmm, not just the ones that I watch right now. Yeah, whatever you feel like. New, old, doesn't make any difference. Whatever. You, what... Well, oddly enough, I don't get a whole lot of time. I'm sure, TV. yeah. <laughs> but usually I'll walk in and watch Two and a Half Men. That's something I can get to. I think the writing's fantastic on it. Um, I think it's it's funny and quirky and, and it's going to be and, interesting to see what they're going to do with it now. Right? Yeah, I think where it's going to go. And the other thing that I liked was Dexter. I think that had a quirky feel to it, mm-hmm. and you know, it was it was something that was that interested me. And and those are things that I can sit down and watch for the amount of time frames that I have. And you know, I was always back in my childhood. I remember Bonanza and Rawhide and Riptide. I mean, and 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 um, Rawhide, and let me say, oh, the Twilight Zone and The yeah. Outer Limits and things like that as a kid. But, but I grew up on Bonanza. You know, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, the family all got around the TV and would watch Bonanza. Now, that's probably dating me, but, but right now a lot of, of kids, you know, it's hard to say that you just sit around with your family and watch, you know, a sitcom or watch something else. But I guess a lot of families will watch, you know, a lot of the singing shows, a lot of the dancing shows, and some of you know, I, I, I'm not really into the reality shows at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, don't, I don't really like that part of it. I think it, it, you know, it's just train wreck TV, and that doesn't really help me too much. But, yeah. but I think the, the well-crafted sitcoms where the writing is really good and keeps your interest are the ones that, that I'll sit down and watch. Mm-hmm. What about movies? What are your all-time favorite movies? You know, I think of all of them, I, Dr. Zhivago and Gone with the Wind are the ones that really, you know, are, are the ones that stick in my mind. Um, I definitely like the action stuff of it. You know, it's it's got to be Bullet, but 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 as far as are the epics, you know, and Ben Hur was a fantastic film. It's hard to just pick one when you have these kind of epics that come through the ages and just never really, you know, die out. They're right. Yeah. Films that go forever. You know. Yeah. Well, Jack, this has been amazing, and uh, I've enjoyed it very much, and I know our audience is going to love hearing you tell us all these stories and everything, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. All right. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Stuntman, stunt coordinator Jack Gill. I want to thank him so much for taking the time to talk to us. And, you know, before Jack and I got on the air, uh, Jack was telling me we, we had 
been on and off. He was on the phone, and, and things happened, and we just couldn't get together immediately as we thought we were going to. But um, when we finally got to talk, Jack said he had been at the studio, and he was working on uh, practicing with hovercrafts, okay? So, so how cool is that? What a great job he's got. A lot of fun, uh, dangerous, very dangerous, though. So anyways, I want to thank him a lot for taking the time to talk to us. It's a lot of fun hearing all the stories he has, and I'm sure he could tell us a whole lot more. Uh, we just didn't have the time to keep going. But uh, anyways, um, that's it uh, for... This episode of On Screen to Be On, if you have a suggestion for somebody you'd like us to have on the show, send it to us at feedback at onscreentobeyond.com. I'll see what I can do about getting it on. I have been working on getting some more guests coming away, and we have got a lineup that you are, I know you're going to enjoy. If you are a film fan, TV fan, music fan, you're going to enjoy these guests that we got coming up in the following weeks. So I hope you're going to stick around for that. And uh, I've even got some lined up already for July and things like that. So um uh, hope you're going to be sticking around, checking with us, uh, listening to us, uh, emailing us, and everything else. Until then, it's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. I hope you'll join us next week when we once again take you on screen and beyond. I'm Brian Zumrak. Take care. Mm-hmm.